0: Um Hello, I am Melissa Payne. A lot of you might know me. Um, some of you probably have no idea who I am um, but it is so nice to be back here. I have been a part of the St. Clair community for a number of years, just kind of in and out since it really began, and it is really wonderful to be able to share with you this morning. Um, this community is a large portion of my family, and yeah, I just I'm really excited to share a little bit of my heart um. And when Matt asked me to share a couple months ago on the contemplative life, um, obviously I was excited. Um, And then, as we know, it's the Lenten season, and he was talking a little bit about your theme as less is more. And so this morning I'm going to share a little bit about less noise and having more awareness, less busyness, and more ease in our lives. So a little bit about the last couple of months uh, for me. Before we dive into the content, content um, I went on a retreat in early December uh, last year. It was kind of a silent retreat for myself. Just I took five days and went to Toronto and stayed with the Sisters of Saint Joseph, uh, which is a lovely little community about six or seven older women who have been in a. And when I say sisters, yes, I mean nuns. Um, they were. Just a beautiful group of women um, who hosted me and they've been a part of this community for about like some or 50, 60 years, um, which was incredibly rich. They just kind of let me do my own thing. Um, And the purpose of this retreat was to discern some vocational questions for myself and to make space for thinking about what my next steps in my life were to be. Um, the sisters have a chapel in their large home, which is a beautiful little space um, that fosters a quiet space for prayer and silence. And um, I got into this rhythm of going to the chapel in the mornings and in the afternoons and the evenings. When you're by yourself for five days, you've really got to, like, make some rhythms. You just get kind of lonely, and it's yeah, you realize a lot of things are going on inside of you. Um, and so I got into this rhythm of going to the chapel in the morning and after my lunch and in, my, in the evenings before, prayer, or before dinner. And those times were not very long. There may be 10 to 20 minutes of me just making space to listen and to let go of the things that I was worried about or carrying or trying to figure out um, and just become aware of God in that silence. And when I came home from the retreat, um, I felt the most grounded I think I've ever felt in my life. Um, I felt this huge spaciousness within myself open up um, towards the world. I felt the most comfortable in my own skin than I have ever felt. um, And just unapologetically who I am, how I'm wired. Um, And it was really really wonderful. Um, It was like God and I had become the same flowing motion um, that week. There was no separation. It was just a sense of union and communion that I hadn't known to that depth before. And upon leaving those five days, um, I knew I not only wanted this type of rhythm in my life, but it was something that I was in need of. Um, To some extent, I have been feeling this draw and this call towards a contemplative, slower life for years. Um, And it's been something I've been trying to implement in the ordinariness of my days. And in all seriousness, uh, this, I thought, maybe would look like me entering the religious life. Uh, For some of you, that is just entering a convent or a cloister or becoming a nun. Um, That was actually something that I was discerning that time in December. Um, Because I didn't know how on earth you're meant to live this type of life in regular culture (laughs) and church culture. Um, But after that retreat, I sensed that God had something a little different um, in mind. And I was actually talking to my sister this week about vocation. And vocation is just another fancy word for sense of call or purpose. It's not your career necessarily or kind of what you do with your days, but just a sense of... What I said to her is, I think it's less about what we actually do and more about the way that we live our life and the type of life that we are called to live and what kind of values and um, what we are drawn to. And so for me, for years, I've just known it's been a contemplative one. Um, For you, it might be something different. Um, But what I do know is that this area of contemplation is something for all of us to some extent. Um, It's not just for the introverted Slow type like myself. Um, It is actually for all of us, and especially as Christians, which I can describe a bit more. Um, And this morning, I want to just give those of you permission who might resonate a lot with what I'm saying um, to just embrace that as who you are and the gift that you are to the world and to the church community. Um, Because I think it's really easy to feel like you're not doing enough or You are not living up to the same pace, but I think maybe this is something that that, that, that is your greatest gift to give back to the world. And so I just want you to own that and embrace that as a part of who you are. So since my retreat, I ventured home and sought out to implement this kind of rhythm, these times of silence and prayer times into my everyday, and then I got back to work and I was working full time. And my social life, and then just as I wondered how on earth I would do this, I tore my ACL, which is why I'm sitting on a stool this morning. Um, and I know not all of you have the luxury of blowing out your knee, um, but or being stuck at home for a couple months with yourself, it is a challenge. Um, but my hope this morning is just to kind of wet your appetite for the contemplative life, and because I really believe in it, I really believe in it. In our spiritual, physical, mental, and emotional um, well being as people in the way God has made us. And before we get into it, I know in a lot of areas in the church we think of contemplation and action or like service to others as two very different things, Um, but that's not, they're not mutually exclusive and they've never meant to be mutually exclusive. If we only have an individual, contemplative, meditative kind of way of being, we can err on the side of having a self-indulgent spirituality. And if we only have a very active, service-oriented kind of pace of life in the church, we have frenetic, burnt-out religious people without a deep spirituality or any sense of our authentic self in the world. Um, And so we need both, and they're not meant to be separated, but the contemplative life is meant to flow into your engagement into the world. Carl Rahner says, In the days ahead, you will either be a mystic or nothing at all. So what is contemplation or contemplative prayer? I know I've been talking a little bit about it, and you, some of you have maybe no clue, which is very okay. Um, contemplative prayer is simply remaining open and silent in God's presence. It rewires our brains to think in a non-dualistic way. It helps us to receive God and each other, and ourselves, with compassion, with kindness, and a lack of attachment to our ego's preferences, or what we're attaching ourselves and our identity to. Felina Hertz is um, the wife of a guy named Chris Hertz, who wrote The Sacred Enneagram, um, and she describes in her book, Mindful Silence, that contemplative spirituality is a way of seeing. The English word contemplation comes from the Latin word contemplatio, which means to look at, to gaze at, to mark out a space for observation. So contemplative practices are meant to make space and to make time in our day to pay attention and to gaze at God, to see God in the ordinariness of your everyday life. She goes on to say, which this should be on a slide, contemplation involves some introspection, not for the sake of inner knowledge, but for living a more skillful life. With self-awareness comes greater understanding of our own pain and the way that we cause suffering. Contemplative prayer offers an antidote. Through contemplation, we find alleviation of our personal suffering and we discover how to minimize our infliction of suffering on others, which I think is something the world is in desperate need of. Contemplation helps us to pay attention to the movements and motivations of our own spirit and also of the way the Holy Spirit is directing our lives. Um, My favorite, well, one of my favorite quotes um, and definitions of contemplation is by Thomas Merton, a Catholic priest, and in his book, New Seeds of Contemplation, which is brilliant. If you want to read about contemplation, that's probably one of the books I would recommend. But he says, this should also be on a slide, Contemplation is the highest expression of man's intellectual and spiritual life. It is that life itself, fully awake, fully active, and fully aware that it is alive. It is spiritual wonder. It is spontaneous awe of the sacredness of life and of being. It is a vivid realization of the fact that life and being in us proceed from an invisible, transcendent, and infinitely abundant source contemplation is above all awareness of the reality of that source, that source being God. The funny thing about preaching on contemplation and the contemplative life is that it's similar to trying to describe a mystical experience or an experience of God, and our language is very limited for something so big, so just bear with me as I use my words to describe this. Um, I just want to talk a little bit about the history of contemplative spirituality. I'm not going to go into a great like, detailed historical account of all the things. Um, But because a lot of you might be wondering, where do you find this in scripture? Where is it in the history of the church? Um, But contemplative spirituality comes from a very rich and ancient tradition, uh, which we are a branch of. We've just lost a great deal of it in the Western church. Um, And I'm going to boldly say that the contemplative life is the Christian life. It's not just an add-on to it. It is what is the fuel and the point. And as Matt said, the abiding, I think it's in John 15, like that is what is meant to be our lives as gazing at God and knowing who we are in God. Um, And before the great schism of 1054 between the Eastern and the Western Catholic Church and before the Reformation, two major events that I will not bore you. Actually, I find it very interesting, but... You might find it boring, so I will leave it at that. But before that, um, contemplative spirituality was what made up the Christian faith tradition. It was the norm, um, which was essentially resting in God for prayer. And from that place, social engagement came, um, and not out, always out of duty, but out of a sense of love. And the desert fathers and mothers of the 3rd and 4th centuries were very well acquainted with this contemplative spirituality spirituality and way of faith um there's lots of literature on the desert fathers and mothers that are it's really beautiful um stories and and kind of their lives as they lived out this way and throughout the scriptures we see this thread everywhere as well Um, in first kings 19 it says and the lord said to elijah go out and stand on the mountain before the lord behold the lord is about to pass by and a great and mighty wind tore into the mountains and shattered the rocks before the lord but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a still, small voice. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Isaiah 30, in repentance and in rest is your salvation. In quietness and in trust is your strength. And in Matthew 14, 23, we read of Jesus. There's tons of accounts of Christ leaving the crowds and going on his own um, to just pray and to be with the Father. It says, And after he sent, had sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain to pray by himself. And when it was evening, he was there all alone. So we see in history and in the scriptures and in the life of Christ having a space and a time for contemplative practice and contemplation was not just an add-on to the Christian life, but it was the very essence of it. It was where everything else came out of. And I think the church and culture have mirrored each other in a lot of ways. The pace of our lives as Christians isn't that much different from the pace of those around us. And people who are not necessarily a part of a faith or a church community have caught on to this. This is why we see such a huge surge of mindfulness and meditation practices, um, because people are catching on to something, something that their spirit and their soul are craving, and that is connectedness, and that's presence of something bigger than themselves. And this is not anything new at all this is what we call contemplation that's what the church has called contemplation for thousands of years Um, and we are just contemplating the source of all being which is God um, through Christ and the Holy Spirit some people call it contemplating the ground of being where everything else exists from Um, and so why is it important why do we need it without contemplative practice we run the risk of burning out. We can easily become bitter towards the church, towards God, towards one another, and our spiritual lives become a stale obligation instead of a source of vitality that I think we're all meant to operate out of. And this isn't just me in my idealistic view of how this goes. This is real, and this is possible. Um, We can so easily lose sight of why we do what we do and why we even believe what we believe. It's happened to me, and it's happened to a lot of people near to me, close to me. Um, Richard Rohr, a Franciscan priest, he describes contemplative spirituality this way. It allows us to move beyond language and words that we have for God and experience God as more of mystery. We begin to let go of the need to defend, to judge, to evaluate everything and everyone and plug into the mind of Christ, which welcomes paradox and knows it's true identity in God. In my experience, contemplation has opened me up to hold the tensions and paradoxes that I encounter. It helps me to sit with the unresolved and unanswerable questions in our lives. It really does help us to cope with the tragedies that life brings us. Um, I Yeah, I actually lost a really good friend this past year, or a couple months ago, and it was very, this is not in my notes, but anyway, um, this is it was very unfathomable to me um, that someone so close could just be gone in an instant, and I honestly couldn't make sense of it. And I think as Christians, we really try to figure everything out and know the answers for these things, and it's not always black and white, and contemplative practice has been the thing that has saved me from really just not getting it, not getting why these things happen in life. And so, um, yeah, I just really believe in it because it it is this mindfulness and awareness of the presence of God in the grief and in the things that happen, the tragedies and unexpected events that happen in our lives that we can't make sense of. And it's not that God gives us the answers all the time to, to these things, but it helps us to recognize that he is with us and he is close and he is not going anywhere. Um, Felina Hertz talks about how we come to contemplative prayer to, to not experience just something pleasant so that we might learn, but rather how we might learn to be content in every situation. And in practicing contemplation, we recognize that there is no separation of the sacred and the secular areas of life. Instead, everything in life is one. Because if we are in Christ and everything is held together in Christ, then how can there be a separation? And that is the beautiful good news of the gospel. And that is what makes us less threatened by others and other people's lives and other people's traditions. It makes us less afraid of unexpected events because we start to wake up to the reality that God is close and that we are held by him. So some of the fruit or benefits of contemplation that I have seen um, in my life, but a lot, mostly in lives of people who have been doing this way longer than me. I am a baby at this stuff. People sit for hours in a day sometimes, just like in the silence. And I'm like, 20 minutes, wow. Um, but there's four kind of fruits of contemplation that should be on the slide. And the first one is just an overall well-being. Um, Scientifically, studies have shown that practices of contemplation, mindfulness, meditation practices works to rewire our brains so that we actually are less depressed, less anxious, and have less addictive behaviors. So if you don't want to take any of the spiritual stuff, um, <laughs> maybe just look at the physiological and psychological benefits um, of contemplation. The second thing is discernment. When we are in need of discerning decisions in our lives, um, contemplative prayer is key. It helps us to let go of our own attachments of how things, how we think things are meant to play out, and listen for the deepest desires within us. In Ignatian spirituality, um, Ignatius would say that our deepest desire is where God's desire is also for us. And it's just the hard work of sifting through. Our own voices, the voices of other people, and even our own attachments to what we think is going to play out in our lives. The third thing is an ease and a rest. Through contemplative prayer and practice, we are consistently reminded that we do not hold God, that we do not need to defend God or need to even save the world. We are reminded that God holds us and moves in us and invites us to work towards making the world a more whole place. There is a sense of ease as we engage with the world and serve the world because we have given up the need to look like we have it all together and have all the answers. We just show up. We strive less and we surrender more. And lastly is this sense of love and space. Um, Yeah, in my experience with this and again, with people very close to me. I, I think the biggest fruit I have seen come from this is love um, and a spaciousness within themselves towards people. The love of God, a love of self, and a love of neighbor. This is the mystery of the contemplative life. By positioning ourselves to just be in a place of resting in God's presence, we become transformed. We actually become more compassionate, more open and loving and embracing. Um, And ironically, spending time and making time for solitude and contemplative space, we actually do have greater space to hold other people and sit with other people. Thomas Merton says, while physical solitude removes us from our fellow man, interior solitude unites us with him. External solitude serves only to support an interior solitude when we are with each other. So, how do we practice contemplation? Um, I recognize that we all come from different stages of life this morning. This community is so beautifully diverse, and having a contemplative practice will look different for all of us and each one of us. But I really do believe it's possible for each of you in your own context. It may just take some extra creativity and intentionality. Um, But I'm going to walk through a typical morning for me, just practically. um, And then we're actually going to end this morning with being in a contemplative space together. And so for me, mornings are sacred time. They often set the tone of my day. Uh, For you, it might be in the afternoon or the evenings that you find you have the most space. Or maybe you are parents of four children, of a newborn, you're about to be a parent. Um, Whatever it is, maybe your spouse can take the kids for 20 minutes and you can have a little bit of space where you just enter the solitude and contemplative space. Um, And just as a preface, it might be so uncomfortable first, and you might be like, what the heck am I doing? That is okay and very normal. Um, But again, we'll kind of walk through that this morning. But for me, um, I get up, I head to my living room area. I usually put on the kettle. I want tea or coffee um, and have a little rocking chair that I sit in, and I light my candle in front of me. The candle is just a symbol of... God's presence that's always with me. Um, And then I just sit there. I sit up straight. Um, I take a few really deep breaths with my eyes closed. I don't bring anything with me to that space. I don't bring my journal or anything to read. Um, I just sit in the silence. And as I breathe, I can begin to feel my mind wander. My thoughts are just like I'm very aware of the thousands of thoughts that are in my mind. That's very normal. And when I notice it, I just try to bring myself back to my breath and meditate on God who is within me. I usually sit in the silence for about 20 minutes, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. There's really no formula to this. Um, and for me, I'm an imagery person. And so often when I get distracted or my mind starts going or I, I get flooded with all the people in my life who are going through hard things, i um, there's a Quaker practice of holding someone in the light or holding your thoughts in the light of God. And so as I'm sitting there with my eyes closed and trying to just contemplate and being with God, those thoughts or people might flash by, and I just try and simply hold them in the light of God and and not really say anything, um, but just hold them in that space. And then after the 20 minutes are up, I take another few deep breaths and enter into my day Um, then I usually have a portion of the morning where I meditate on a a verse in Scripture or a spiritual reading. Um, But I usually try to start my day with that 20-minute, yeah, just place of quiet. Um, There was supposed to be a printout for you this morning on the back of the handout, but we didn't get it printed, unfortunately. Um, It's just something I've written out for you to just walk you through how to do this in the morning or in your day. Um, So I think it'll be sent out in an email. But I want to actually practice this with you this morning because I can talk to you all about it and that's great, but there's really no, you just need to to do it. We just need to practice it. Um, And so it might feel uncomfortable to you to do this in a group of I don't even know, a lot of people. Um, but if you feel comfortable, please join me. Um, I'm going to lead us and guide us and for about five minutes. I'm just going to put my little timer on. So if you have things in your hands, just put it down. Um, and I just invite you to sit in an upright, attentive posture in a way that allows for your straight spine and open heart just towards God, towards the world. And I invite you just to gently close your eyes. I'm going to do this with you, so don't worry, no one's looking at you. And I just invite you to take a deep inhale and let out a deep exhale. Take another deep inhale from your belly. Let out a deep exhale. One more time. Take a deep inhale. Let out a deep exhale. I invite you now with your eyes closed to bring to mind um, a sacred word or a name that you have for God. Maybe it's love or peace or an image. Or maybe you just want to focus on your breath. This is meant to help us consent to the presence of God within us. Helps us keep focused on that when our mind begins to wander. So just in the silence, maybe choose a symbol or a word or your breathing that we're going to come back to. As we do this, our minds begin to wander. Your feelings, certain feelings and emotions might surface, and that's very normal. You're not meant to shove them away, but just notice them. And then return to your breath or your symbol or your name for God. Just draw attention towards God who is within you. I invite you now with your eyes still closed to simply acknowledge God within the person to your left and just hold them within God who is within you. And now I invite you to acknowledge God within the person on your right and just hold them within God who is within you. And now with your eyes still closed, I just invite you to return to yourself. To return to God who dwells deep within the very center of your being. And just take a deep inhale. And release a deep exhale. Take a deep inhale again. And release a deep exhale. Exhale. And now I just invite you to slowly open your eyes as we prepare ourselves to come to the table and have communion together and as you go about the rest of your day. Amen.